So hello welcome to Startup 107 podcast my name is Sumit Patel and in today's episode I'm joined by Matt Perry Matt is a co-founder and CEO of the Good Crisp company which offers gluten-free potato crisps and cheese balls in several different amazing flavors Matt first of all thank you so much for your time and welcome to the podcast My pleasure thanks for having me Awesome so tell us a bit more about yourself Matt Uh yes so uh as you can hear I'm uh, originally from Australia Um, so grew up in in Adelaide South Australia you know lived by the beach always had a nice beach lifestyle but I've always always worked in food always loved food always um you know been that entrepreneur so started lots of different things around around food um but you know in 2000 uh was it probably 2015 16 or so um launched the good crisp company in in Australia which is a, a better for you alternative to pringles and to other canister chips Um, and that took off and went really well and so in 2019 I moved here to the US um and now we sell all across the US and Canada and Australia and I'm growing growing the business that that's great to hear Matt but I just want to go back a bit maybe if I was with you in college or high school who was Matt at that point of time were you more of a were you more focused on academics or were you more of a hustler was it a building or creating some kind of business as always probably a in the, in the middle um so i i mean i wasn't a huge academic i i enjoyed school enough i um but you know didn't sort of for me i didn't really start trying until you know became became relevant so most most of my school life was just about having fun and and you know mucking around with the friends and doing things um but then at, at the final years i knew i needed to to do well to get into college um so sort of you know when it counted i i focused um okay. but always as well as i mentioned had that entrepreneurial side not not a hardcore hustler but would just always see different ideas and try and play them out and work out if they would work or not it wasn't necessarily about you know hustling to try and get the money or anything like that more just about oh this is there's a need here i wonder if i could fulfill fulfill this need or there's an opportunity here i wonder if i could if i could do this and so it was more of a i just you know excited by opportunities and different things as sort of yeah the different things i was focusing on that is great to hear mad uh but would love to hear more about the good crisp company how did you come up with the idea and would love to know that startup story yeah so i had a, a business in in australia where i was a part of where we helped launch brands in into australia or or into local states or regions or things like that um and as part of of that i helped bring in a, a canister chip company and helped set up a lot of private label in in australia and and really did a deep dive on on the category to learn more about it to see the opportunities so i could help and i really in doing that realized that there was there was a big opportunity um there in the market for someone to do a better for you alternative um and to sort of differentiate by creating something that was healthier and better and and tastier everything was around either pringles or then you know trying to be different underneath competing on them in quality or um competing on them in price and really trying to undercut them and i thought no one's doing anything in that upper level which is what i care about for myself for my family my friends i mean i knew that we were all looking for better for you snacks it was a you know was and has been and continues to be a massive macro trend around the world of better mm-hmm. for you gluten free non gmo you know shorter ingredients lists and no one was doing that in the canister chip set um and so that sort of sparked the idea for for me and and went out and and found a person that could could make the product that that I knew and and we sort of started on working on revisions to try and 
really bring in those important better for you elements, but really work on the taste as well. And how can I create a product that tastes better than out there in the market, but has the mm-hmm. attributes that, that are important. So that was really the, the premise for it. That's great to hear, man. But the packaging is pretty unique, like uh, it, it's in the cans, right? Uh, would love to hear more about the packaging and how did you come up with the name as well? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, I wanted to create this as as iconic as, as possible. So I thought there's no point doing, you know, going up against other canister chips or up against Pringles if I'm, if I'm in a bag or if I'm in a, you know, a, tr- a triangle or something. There's some real core cues here that I, that I need to get right. The canisters, one, the shape of the chip, the, the, the eating experience, that all needs to be replicated. People mm-hmm. love that. That's what they want. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the ingredients and, and the positioning that's wrong. So I wanted to keep all of that, um, that stuff that was iconic, but just take out the things that, that I could see the opportunity. So that, that was what we focused on there with the packaging and, and what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the name, we originally, we threw around some different names and we had, uh, you know, I, I, some different ideas. And in the end, I mean, for me, a brand has always been, you know, my thought process has been, it doesn't really matter what the brand is, you know, um, it's what you build around it, you know, iconic things mm-hmm. like McDonald's or Facebook or, you know, um, Adidas or, or whatever, you know, they're, they're, they're names to most people, but it's, it's what we build around it and, and that. So that, that was just my idea. Maybe I just pick a random sort of name and, and make it happen. But the more mm-hmm. I thought about it, I thought actually there's an opportunity here to, to because our packaging is so limited um, mm-hmm. and branding takes up a fair amount of that space, it's almost wasted space if it's just a random name or letters or something like that. Can I come up with something that it actually helps rather than being neutral actually helps? And I thought, well, the good crisp company really encapsulates what we're trying to do. It talks about the, the mission of our company and, and what we're focusing on and, and what the whole product is. So why can't I have a brand that that is positive and beneficial, but also, you know, stands for a brand as well. So that was the concept. Okay. Awesome. Uh, but there are a lot of brands, you know, which offers uh, crisp and, you know, cheese balls. What is different about the product which we offer? Yeah. So for us, it's um, three real key things, which is how can we actually be better tasting? So better for you, you know, snacks have always been about compromise. You know, yes, it doesn't taste as good, but it's it's better for you, you know, and, and in varying degrees over the last 10 years, that's improved. But really we're at the cutting edge of, of the new, new generation, which is actually there's no sacrifice here. We actually taste better than the than the um, market leaders. We taste better than those that have been around for a long time. So, you know, we actually you're, you're not sacrificing on taste or ingredients here. You can have both, and in fact, you can have the, the best of both worlds. So that's really important for us. Is how do we be make sure we're the best tasting? Whether it's a cheese ball, whether it's a potato crisp, how do we taste the best? Um, and then you know, how do we take out the, the ingredients that, as I said, that are that are worrying to parents that they're not looking for? How do we help people feel better about the snacks that they're eating? That's that's our really our core, core message. Um, we don't niche down on keto or you know other specific sort of diets because it's just all about how how do we help people feel better um, about snacks and improve that little area of, of their life. So that that's really what we focus on. Okay. Uh, Matt, apart from the current flavors which we are offering right now, are we going to be expanding into maybe a few new flavors as well in the coming time? We do have a couple of new flavors coming out. I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, we've got five flavors now, um, original sour cream and onion, sea salt and vinegar, barbecue and aged white cheddar. 
and they're really the core flavors for for Kato chips. They make up you know the top seventy percent of sales, so they're really our core. But we are bringing in other exciting things, some spicy ones, some different colors, things like that, to just try and add ex- excitement and continuing interest into the category. Snacks are impulsive; they're fun; they're they're you know they're treats, and so people like to to have something that's a little bit different and a little bit um, novelty in that area as well. So we're looking at some of those things. Okay, all right. Uh, but Matt, you started in Australia, right? And uh, now expanded into US as well. Uh, I'm assuming the consumer behavior between both the market, there might be some unique things about each market. Uh, have you seen any specific uh, things which are unique to US and unique to Australia? Yeah, there actually is a, one of the, the core differences is actually in who consumes the product. Um, so the US is a little bit unique in the sense that it is actually a younger market. So it is younger kids that eat Pringles and then they move up to, you know, Doritos or things like that. Um, and then they tend to drop off a little bit. Uh, it's changing somewhat, but traditionally that's what it's been. Uh, whilst in Australia and the UK and other places, it's more, you know, teenagers and, and into college that, that eat more Pringles. Um, so there, there is a slight change here in, in how we do it and, and the consumer that we focus on here in the US, it is, as I say, younger families. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say, obviously, that there aren't a lot of opportunity outside of that, but that, that's just one core immediate sort of thing that we noticed um, when, when we came here. Um, so, yeah, that's probably one of the major differences. Other than that, most of the macro things remain the same between, between most Western countries. Interesting. But, Matt, COVID was a huge challenge across you know, businesses, but one industry which saw growth was the CPG industry, especially in the e-commerce space. Uh, what has been your, some of the learnings during COVID can be personal, can be business-wise. Uh, would love to hear more from you about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, a couple of things. I mean, obviously it's changed how we've, how we've done work. So we, we moved, we used to have an office. We moved um, remote for the last sort of almost two years. Um, we are getting an office back again, but we're going back into more of a hybrid. So it's taught us a lot about how, how we work as, as a company, as individuals and what's important um, and, and balancing that I think has been, been good. There's been a, a lot of good balancing of, of family time and work-life balance and people are seeing, you know, stop it, hopping off the treadmill for a minute or two and realising that there is other ways to do business, which I think is really great. So that's, that's taught us a, a lot there. Um, so we're taking a lot of those learnings in, into the new year and how we can continue to, to do that. Um, I think from a, from a, also a business and consumer perspective, people have really started to try new products. There's been limited availability or they've just sort of been snacking a lot more. So they're willing to try a lot more. So it's brought a lot new, a lot of new customers um, into our category and a lot of new customers that have tried our product. Um, and because we are a superior product, many of those customers have stayed and so that's been really really fantastic for our business as we continue to to see it grow and, and baseline velocities grow as new people try our product um and and then as well you know there's obviously been a number of challenges come from supply chain as well and, and just how important that is to get right and the focus on that and ensuring that we have clear communication with all of our suppliers and, and vendors and so that's that's really brought in some new important practices for, for what we do there. So there's been some positives and, and some challenges definitely through the period. Interesting, yeah. But Matt, one of the questions which I wanted to ask you on the marketing side is uh, in terms of the marketing channels, right, especially for e-commerce, uh, what has been the most uh, efficient channel which has helped uh, to drive growth at the same time efficiently, to drive that growth efficiently for you guys? Yeah. I mean, 
we've obviously do a lot through through Shopify and we drive a lot through our own D2C. Um, and, and to help with that sort of, we've we found, you know, email marketing to be hugely efficient for, for that and to drive that and to continue to, to build repeats and having our flows correct. Um, mm-hmm. I also find as well tapping into third-party platforms. So places mm-hmm. like, you know, Thrive Market or um, Misfit or, you know, snack magic there's there's quite a few out there where, where they sort of already have the platform and the customers and are looking to to bring snacks to their existing customers getting in with those um and, and you know has been really great it opens us up to a massive amount of new customers they're able to try our product and, and as i say continue to buy so that's been really efficient and and really beneficial to us as well through this period and we see that as a really important part as well as our own um, Shopify site, but also uh, other people's platforms is really important. Interesting. Have you tried out SMS marketing as of now, Matt? We do a bit of it. Um, yes, we we're still we don't go hard on it. We're still learning it and trying to find that, and also earn that kind of permission to to engage with our our consumers that way as well. Um, so we're wary of it, but but we definitely you know have have things in place and collect um, mobiles and use it occasionally. Interesting. I think that has been the one uh, channel along with email, which has been performing extremely well across industries. So uh, definitely something to, you know, maybe expand into in the future. Uh, yeah. But one thing which I found really interesting, Matt, is uh, around 5% of online sales goes to cancer research, right? Uh, would love to hear more about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a, it's a, something we're personally really, really proud of what we do for the good, Chris. So um, my youngest daughter, when she was a couple of weeks old, was diagnosed with leukemia, very aggressive leukemia. Um, so we spent um, you know, a year or two dealing with that as a family. And thankfully, she's, she's come out of that and she's six now and, and very healthy and, and happy. But it really opened our eyes to what you know, thousands of families go through and, and, and really how difficult dealing with cancer is. So part of of what we want to do is, is how do we amplify what we give personally is being able to sort of utilize the business to be able to help with that as well. Um, and so, yep, 5% of everything we sell online, we donate to the LL, um, LLS, Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Um, we're looking at other ways next year as well as how can we expand that out into our retail sales and things like that as well, or what other partners can we do. Uh, this year for, for Christmas as well, we're donating thousands of activity books to, to the kids at the Denver hospital here as well to you know something to do and help them through um, you know the, the holidays are always a difficult time so things like that as well as not just a donation but what else can we do with our time and our resources to, to help other families because um, we're very aware of of, of a, it's a really tough time that's a great cause Matt thank you so much for sharing that um, but what has been the most challenging part of building the good crisp company so far there's lots of challenging parts to it. I think, um, you know, awareness and trial is, is is tough. You can get on shelf, but how do you, how do you get consumers to pick you up and, and to try you? Uh, the US is just such a massive market and we don't, we don't have bottomless, you know, a pits of money to, to, to drive awareness. And so how do you do that efficiently? How do you get people to try it? And we know when they try it, they'll continue to buy, but there's still, you know, hundreds of millions of people that don't even know that we exist so how do we reach those how do we get out there that that's that's tough um as i mentioned supply chain is, is always important I mean, we've been fortunate that we haven't we've worked very hard to ensure that we aren't haven't been out of stock we've been out of supply and we're a consistent and reliable partner to all of our retail retailers and online 
Um, so that's that's really important as well and challenging and expensive, but um, it's, it's fundamental. If we want people to buy us, they need to be to be able to uh, pick us up off the shelf. So um, yeah, they're, they're sort of our two key focuses for, for next year around that. Okay, awesome. Uh, Matt, one final question. What's your vision for a good crisp company? Yeah, we want to be the number one better for you canister chip in the world. Um, we think that's that's very possible. Um, and Absolutely. yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there for us. We think there's a lot of demand for what we're doing. So um, we're excited to be bringing, as I say, helping helping everyday Americans feel better about their snacks. With that, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I truly appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. Awesome.